What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Happy Friday at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are loaded up. We'll hit some NFL. We'll talk some college football playoff. A guy ready to launch on that, our friend Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity. Dr. Petey in about 15 minutes. Uh, one hour from now, the pride of Fairbury. Bill Dolman will be in. And then an extended sit-down with Nebraska assistant coach, pitching coach. We'll recap the season and what a magical ride by Nebraska baseball with Jeff Christie. Numbers to get in today, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us, give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at uh, Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can uh, get us on email, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Also, follow at uh, ESPN Lincoln and uh, at Hale Varsity. Can stream us, ESPNLincoln.com, and catch us uh, different parts of the state, Grand Island, Cardi Hastings, and, of course, our friends in Columbus. Elijah, how how was this morning, dude? Because you had the, the old umpire blues going. You had the face mask ready. You had baseball to, to umpire. And then Mother Nature said, here's both middle fingers. Yeah, it was, so it's it's a super busy weekend for uh, for high school umpiring around. They got a couple tournaments, and there's one out in Waverly. There's the uh, the Peterson tournament here, right, in, here yeah. in Lincoln. Uh, so it's just really busy. It was like chock full of games. And then first game this morning we show up and there was rain in the forecast we knew it was like most likely coming uh but the first game got delayed i showed up at 9 30 and sat around until about 12 45 i think we finally got the game started we played did you, you pack like uh fruit and granola bars and gatorade and all that uh, i packed water and coffee i okay. think i think that's about all i needed <laughs> that's, your, that's your diesel <laughs> yeah but uh we, we like started to play a half inning and then we had lightning strike like just beyond center field and we're like okay I think we should better clear the field um, I don't think holding aluminum bats out here is probably the best idea so made it through the rain made it through the game now I'm here uh, life is good good well you're here you, you made it it was interesting uh, I, I was fearful to get my grill covered because I'm you know sensitive like that can't rust out the grill so got that done, but busy, uh, busy weekend. It's kind of a, a 2.0 version, not quite the uh, showcase as last weekend for Nebraska recruiting, but some uh, some important uh, official visits this weekend. We'll get to that list in just a second. We'll also dive in to uh, the Athlon kind of preseason rundown for Nebraska. Not only where does Athlon uh, have Nebraska in the Big Ten West, but the uh, the dear old anonymous quotes that Athlon gets from Big Ten peers, what are they saying 
about Scott Frost. But before we go any further, let's uh, dive into uh, just some news and notes with where Nebraska is at for 2022. So, you know, quarterback's kind of on hold right now. No quarterback uh, on the visit this weekend. Uh, you have Bianco scheduled for the 18th. That's, uh, well, that's going to be next weekend. And we're just kind of waiting to hear on Tariq Johnson. Sounds like he's all good with Nebraska, but it's not really been publicized. And uh, a couple of folks we've reached out to let us know that, listen, July might be when he gets enrolled at Nebraska. It's not official, not officially announced. It's not how transfers kind of work. They show up and things are all good. But it sounds like Nebraska uh, may be in a good spot for Tariq Johnson. But six official visitors. And Nebraska is only looking at two backs here for 2022. And think about what you want in your running back if you're Nebraska. Nebraska wants... Well, they want versatility. They want speed. They want home run threat ability. But they also want size. They want kind of that big thumper back, but they also want to be able to go with that that lightning aspect, kind of the 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 the, the thunder and lightning type duo, right? You've seen it for years with a one-two punch at running back on all different levels between the NFL and college. Right. And, you know, Nebraska is no different. So Ashton Hayes will be here this weekend. He'll check out his time in Lincoln. Hayes, a running back out of Reno, about 5'11". He is your elusive dude. Uh, He's a guy for uh, Reno, the high school he was in, ran for 2,000 yards when they had a full season. But, you know, averaged nine yards a carry. I mean, he's, he's he's a big play uh, dude, was it Cal last weekend on an official visit? Nebraska's competing with uh, USC, Washington. Check that USC, Utah, Oregon State, and Nevada for him. But it's good for Nebraska to get a guy like that uh, second crack. I like what I've seen from Hayes, and, and he's a guy that, you know, is, is not from a size standpoint your prototypical hammer between the tackles, but you don't have to be big to be a good back at Nebraska, Brandon Jackson, Derek Brown, Roy Hallou, they were all pretty fierce running between the tackles. If Nebraska can land it, Williams is obviously their top dude out of Georgia. That's who they like. That's who really liked Nebraska. But Ashton Hayes would be the second back Nebraska, I think, would take if they can get him. Can we talk about how ridiculous nine yards per carry is? Like, imagine playing on a high school football team and you can just turn around and hand it to a dude and, and like, you're expe- okay, it's first and ten. Well, cool, we'll hand it to him. It'll be second and one next play. That's so ridiculous. It is. You know, it, it is. And, you know, Nebraska's had their share of backs kill it with yards per carry. Okay? It wasn't ever... Well, let's see if we can get old Lawrence up to four a carry. Let's see if Rogier's good for five a carry. No, I mean, you, the, Nebraska's offensive lines have been so great, coupled with phenomenal running backs, that that, that one-two combo is going to get you at its peak, seven and a half, eight, almost eight and a half a carry. So what you want, though, is that opportunity to have somebody in the backfield for Nebraska that can give you a big play threat. Uh, catching the football, running the football, and being able to to get out in space. Grant Page, wide receiver, uh, very important target for Nebraska. 
uh, another big body for the Big Red 63185. He's out of Boulder, Colorado. We ran out of time yesterday. Meant to ask uh, Coach Barnett about Grant Page if, if, if he's seen much of Page in, in Boulder. But uh, you've got Colorado and Iowa State and Sparty and Wake Forest uh, right there that are, are among some of the offers. When Page put out his his list, Nebraska really high on it. Kansas State was his first stop last weekend. So Nebraska playing a bit catch a bit of catch up potentially because they weren't the first stop with these last two visitors. We're talking Kansas State and Cal. But I think Nebraska's done a great job of stacking where they want to go. Uh, the next kid is out of New Jersey, uh, Avery Powell. He uh, goes about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, and this, this, kid's, this kid's phenomenal. Just really good in space, nice cover skills. You know, he's Jersey tough. And his top six, Wisconsin, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Mississippi. Uh, check that. It's uh, Wisconsin, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Penn State, Boston College, and then Nebraska. He also has offers. Has offers from Florida, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Michigan. Mm. So for Nebraska to get him out of Jersey is big. And then Markeith Williams is here. He's from Orlando. And uh, Markeith is... Really talented guy. I think his connection to Frost and that UCF program, uh, really strong, right? That's the impression that was made, this coaching staff, this head coach. And you have Williams uh, making his official this weekend. He'll be in Miami next weekend. And then he's at Ohio State to end the month of June. Uh, Bama, Ohio State, Florida, his top three in January. So this kid at safety, Markeith Williams, is big Tyler Martin. He's an inside backer out of out of UMass. It's kind of between Nebraska and Penn State. He's a longtime commit to Michigan, but he decommitted from Michigan. Committed since like eighth grade, correct? Yeah, and Michigan's switching up. They're going to a three-four. I, I don't know why that would matter because Nebraska's in a three-four. But good to get Michigan here, or I should say Martin here out of Massachusetts, and then Hayden Schwartz. He's a uh, strong side defensive end out of Jacksonville. Uh, this guy's a whale, and I don't mean that like as a as a he's big joke. It's it's like he's got twenty seven offers. Uh, Northwestern, Miami, Iowa State, Indiana, Michigan. That's a that's a list. But good on Nebraska. Nebraska is his only scheduled visit. So that's your six. Can, can I give you? A quick... There'll be some other. There'll be some other workouts that go on. But this is like the second next wave for Nebraska to try and wow this weekend. Quick note on on that Tyler Martin kid, the linebacker out of uh, Massachusetts. He, if I remember correctly, led his varsity team in tackles as an eighth grader. Yeah, it was nuts. And we're it talking was, like, like, and that's whatever Michigan sent in the offer. Like, mm-hmm. this dude's been good for forever, and it's not the biggest position need for Nebraska inside backer at the moment. There, there's some good depth there, but I mean, a kid who led his varsity team on tackles as an eighth grader, like that's just another. We talked about nine yards of carry being ridiculous. That's also ridiculous. It is. You do have one departure. David Alston is into the transfer portal. Now, good on Alston for graduating in three years. Alston has nine other guys at outside backer he's competing with and I know he was a player of the year out of Minnesota in that 2018 class I remember Alston and I remember talking to him on signing day and good dude and just great measurables long arms 
he's kind of your your prototypical body type for outside linebacker. What's what you'd want? You know, six foot something and long arms and and pretty athletic. It just never really happened. I mean, I he never was on the field. You saw him in spring games, but that's about it. And it was just time to move on, and, and we'll see. And I can't imagine juggling, uh, competing, and trying to win a starting spot. And, and guys do do it. But the, a fierce spot like that outside linebacker where Nebraska's trying to find that answer as far as getting after the quarterback, and that's that's been a, a need for a while. Uh, with with Frost getting here, you've got you've got a lot of candidates, but being able to just mow through and graduate in three and a half years, three years is nuts. Yeah, I think he retained three years of eligibility. He does, wherever so he he'll goes. be like forty eight by the time he graduates. <laughs> but good on him. Best wishes to Alston and you know uh, Minnesota kid that is that is moving on. Okay, when we talk about uh, the Big Ten and what Athlon has out. We're not far away from Hale Varsity's yearbook release with Ben Stilley on the cover and can't can't wait to dive into the team previews from Brandon Vogel, uh, the story on Ben Stilley, the good stuff in recruiting from Greg Smith, uh, the features uh, from Derek Peterson, Jacob Padilla, and his story on uh, on Austin Allen. I mean, it's it's going to be nice, okay? Athlon is, is kind of like the first out of the uh, – the first bullet when it comes to, to preview season and magazines. Phil Steele's going to be coming out here soon as well. But Nebraska, how's this grab you? Nebraska in at number five. Cinco, number five in the West. Behind Wisconsin, behind Iowa, behind Minnesota, behind Northwestern. And then there goes Nebraska in at five, just in front of Purdue, just in front of Illinois. So, the anonymous quotes are something that are always pretty juicy with Nebraska. So, you know, when it comes to Nebraska in year four, uh, you had just a little snippet out about what some opposing coaches are saying. And they say, look, Frost is not, we're underlining, we're underlining, we're underlining, and we're circling, is not on the hot seat. But Nebraska needs to be held to a higher standard considering where the program's expected to be at at this point. I think it's fair to say, okay, year one, we'll see what happens. Year two, expectations. Year three was a nightmare with COVID for a lot of teams. Year four, what can you do despite your schedule, right? I think we were expecting a trip to the postseason. And Nebraska could have had that last year. You just didn't have uniform uh, decision-making on the team with wanting to go to bowl game. But uh, the quote is this, it's time to start to start talking bigger picture with Nebraska. Don't think anyone expects Frost on the hot seat and they're not talking about 2021 as a must-win year or else. But so uh, but they're so far from where they're expected to be. You have to start asking some serious questions. So Show improvement. Yes, thank you. Show improvement. Uh, start strong. That's what it's going to be. You can be 3-1 and one in September, and the fan base can feel good. Uh, you can feel good about a conference win to kick things off against Illinois. By the way, all I'm seeing on social media now is Illinois blasting out tweets that tickets are on sale now. 
for that Nebraska-Illinois game, uh, don't stumble out of the gates. You know why? Because then the torches are lit. There's negativity. There's noise. There's fan base eye-rolling of, uh, here we go again, right? I mean, that's how key this first game is. Um, number five in the West, turnovers, 18 turnovers in eight games last year for the Nebraska offense. So those are facts right now. Can you kind of reverse the trend and you know be what you're supposed to be? Make some progress, show some improvement. College football playoff, uh, now that 12 is the number, What's that mean for Nebraska in the future? We'll talk with Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio Friday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll hear from Bill Murray. He's partying in Wrigley. A full Wrigley. We say hi to Derek Peterson, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. At Dr. Petey, HV on Twitter. Dr. Petey, what's up, man? How's your week? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I am I am better than good. Uh, excited that it's Friday and uh, there's still plenty of, of, of Husker items and topics to talk about. What does the expansion of the college football playoff to 12, A, do you like it? B, what's it mean for Nebraska? <laughs> uh, yes, I love it. Um, <laughs> now you're like, uh, next question, please. I'm, I'm very excited about 12. And I think, I think it surprised a lot of people in part because, I mean, we've been talking about college football playoff expansion since, 2014 when this thing was instituted and and I think for a lot of people it was well let's talk about eight in the hopes that we can get six and just kind of go from there and then a couple years down the road then we can get them to expand a little bit more um it kind of seems like with 12 it you know and and it'll probably come a point in time where people are like hey you know college basketball has 64 like why not just go to like 24 for college football or something crazy like that like that'll probably come up at some point but this model that they have seems a little bit more future-proof than if they were, were to go to eight, and then we can just kind of enjoy this thing for the foreseeable future. Um, so the, the 12 teams, I like it. The way that it's going to be structured with, with the six, with specifically not the, five, the Power Five Conference champions and one uh, G5 champion, but instead just the six highest-ranked conference champions, which would allow the possibility for multiple G5 schools to get in there in, the, in those auto bids. Um, I like it. I think it makes it more accessible, which is what I want to see. Um, it protects the SEC and the Big Ten's interest of, of getting multiple teams into the playoff, um, which is what they wanted. And, and it just kind of seems like it was a, a thing that um, everybody could get behind for, for various reasons. Um, so I thought, I thought it was a good day for college football that we've kind of reached this point. I think it's a big-time thing. You've got more teams alive, more in the mix, deeper into the year. I always kind of feel like the way Nebraska's schedule's been set up, in November you are going to get Iowa, you're going to get Wisconsin, you're going to get Minnesota more times than not, at least late October into November. So those are the games you got to win to be in contention. 
and say you're you're a two loss Nebraska team at some point, right? Uh, say you don't win the West, or say you do win the West and you get whacked in the Big Ten title game. Guess what? You're, you're still in that discussion to be included. Last year it could have been uh, Indiana and and Ohio State. A lot of years it's Penn State, Ohio State, and heck, maybe even a third team uh, out of the West if Wisconsin's, you know, a one-loss squad or something like that. So I think it works out well. What I don't want, though, is it to the it, it to get to the point where a the games suck. Just because we made it more doesn't mean it'll be better. I hope the matchups are good, and I think they they can be. But I don't want this thing to to turn college football into a, a regular season afterthought because basketball's great, it's fun, but now you just kind of tune in and turn on for the tournament more so. Uh, or at least the last couple regular season weeks before the like you know a Big Ten tournament. So I don't want I don't yeah. want I don't want the regular season to to lose its importance. And initially, I don't think it will. But see, I think that that is I think that's a fear that's a little bit overblown. Um, and, and like Greg Smith and I talked about this a lot on my on my podcast this week. It seems like it's a it's I mean. We have wanted, I specifically have wanted a system of like promotion and relegation in American sports for a long time, in part because it makes both the top of a, a table or a standings or a leaderboard or whatever, what, what have you, it makes both the top and the bottom interesting at the end of the year. And so with, with this setup that we might be moving to, you know, I, I've seen people correctly point out that, like, you know, if you schedule, if if it's a, a marquee non-conference game early in the early in the year, let's say Ohio State, Oregon, or something like that, the losing team now is not as penalized for losing that early non-conference game as they would have been under previous years. Sure, but that doesn't. I don't. I don't think that that's going to mean that the overall value of the regular season is, is going to be diluted because what happens with the, the way that the, the conference bids, the auto bids are set up, and, and just having 12, like, you, your division games now matter so much more because you just get to your conference championship game, and then you're a win away from the college football playoff. Um, so if you're, I mean, you said Nebraska can have two losses. Nebraska can have four losses playing for the Big Ten championship, beat a one-loss Ohio State team, and then suddenly, you know, you could be talking about, you know, they're 11th or 12th or something like that, and they're squarely in. They're in. Um, and so, like, it's going to make it's going to make that stretch of Northwestern Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota for Nebraska particularly. It's going to make that stretch matter so much more. Um, it's going to make some of those tougher divisions like the Big Ten West a lot more entertaining because. Everybody is going to have that. We are. We just have to win this division, and then we're a win away. Um, and I think, you know, I just, I just think it's going to be, it's going to be more interesting, particularly at the end of the season. And one of the things it's going to do, and I've seen a bunch of people kind of say that that fans are going to care less uh, because their team's not going to have a shot at the college football playoff, and they're just going to tune out. Um, I don't think that that's going to be the case because now more teams theoretically have access to the college football playoffs. So more teams would be, would, would more fans would be paying attention later in the season because if you start off 
you know, like one in three or something like that, you're not immediately killed. Um, but the other thing it will do is, like, you could get a potential uh, first-round playoff matchup of, like, let's, let's say, if I did this correctly, based off of last year's final uh, CFP ranking, you've got Indiana against Cincinnati. Um, now, all of a sudden, Indiana is watching Cincinnati games at the end of the season. Like, fans are watching games of, of games that they wouldn't normally interact with. Fans are watching more college football that they wouldn't normally interact with. Um, I just think there are a lot of good things for the sport. I think overall, um, from recruiting too, like I, I've read, I think it was Ari at the Athletics that it was going to change nothing. I disagree. I think it could, it could, could have a a slight smoothing effect on recruiting, um, which would be a, a big deal. I think that's one of the things that everybody wants to try to influence. In college football, in some form or fashion. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the potential benefits far outweigh, you know, all of the complaints people have had over the last twenty-four hours. Let's just see if if the uh, beyond four can get caught up to the to the four that the three or four that are always in the playoff. Let's see, let's see how the rest now that they've gotten into this velvet rope party. Let's see them step their came up. Elijah, you wanted to jump in, but yeah, Derek, I got a, a big picture question here here for you because when you look at the the history of college football, it seems like when you usher in a new championship system, it kind of ushers in a new era of college football. I think back to the BCS coming in, it ushered in a new era of college football, and uh, that didn't really happen with the four team playoff. Aside from January first through January fifteenth, the, the whole college football season kind of felt the same. But with the rise of name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, now now a 12-team playoff, do you think that in the next couple of years we could be seeing a new era of college football where it kind of looks different than the past 20 years? Possibly. Um, name, image, and likeness is going to be huge. Um, and the programs that take advantage of it um, to its fullest extent are going to reap the benefits of that. Um, Nebraska, in particular, is one of those programs that has really embraced it with open arms, um, and, I, and I think I think they're absolutely going to feel the benefits of that um, because that's something that's going to matter to the players. And I mean, look, like when when you talk about the the four team playoff, it's the same six teams every year, right? Um, and so what we've sort of gotten into with this recruiting cycle is it's been. You know, the top recruits go to Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and Oklahoma and Notre Dame and Georgia because those are the teams that are going to the college football playoff every year. Um, you know, Alabama isn't the only program that has uh, the other stuff. Um, you know, it's not like you have to go to Alabama if you want to play in the pros. They can help you for sure. <laughs> but, you know, like Trey Lance was a top five pick going to North Dakota State. Like players can it, – it's not necessarily the program. It's more the coaching staff. Um, when you're talking about pro development. So you, you're going to have all of these these different factors sort of coming into play for teams to try to level the playing field a little bit. And then you add in the fact that now the college football playoff is more accessible because absolutely Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State recruit guys saying, if you come to our program, you will get to play for a national championship. You will get to play in the playoffs. And if you go to program X, like let's say it's Ohio State, if you go to Michigan, you won't get to play in the playoffs. If you go to Penn State, you might get to play in it once. If you come here, you get to play in it twice. Now all of a sudden, like I think it was, it was Bill Conley that, that tweeted yesterday, if you applied this 12-team model to the last or to, to the, the playoff 
that we've had since 2014, there'd be 39 different programs that would have made a playoff appearance. Um, that's a big deal because now all of a sudden you've got 39 programs that can, that can recruit and say, hey, you're going to go to the playoffs if, if you come to this program. You're, you're the piece that, that takes us to the playoffs as opposed to you're the piece that puts us in our conference championship. Um, and, you know, before it was probably maybe 10 programs that were saying that six to 10 programs that were saying that. So um, it could, it could usher in because you're, you're kind of getting all of this stuff at, at one time. Um, and so I think it's going to be, you know, particularly with like NIL stuff, I think it's going to be on the programs um, to, to determine like how much they want to value that, um, how much emphasis they want to put on that in recruiting um, and, and how they want to embrace that. And, and so, you know, if you get a lot of, of Nebraska's across the country that say, yeah, uh, this can be a real advantage for us. We're going to, you know, throw all of our eggs into this basket. You know, you, you could see those programs start taking a big step in terms of recruiting, which would then mean that you're taking a big step on the field. Derek Peterson through this hail varsity.com and magazine at Dr. Petey HVs where you find him on Twitter, varsity club podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google play, Dr. Petey, do you have a couple of minutes on the other side? We're up against a hard break. I want to talk to you about booze. Of course. All right. Hang on the line. More with Derek Peterson. Hail Varsity continues. Bill Dolman's on the way. And then assistant baseball coach Jeff Christie next hour. More with Dr. Petey. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Couple more minutes, Derek Peterson hanging on the line with us talking college football playoff. And Elijah and I were just talking, Dr. Petey. Do you think, how long with this new system beginning in 2023 with 12 versus 4, do you think it takes to to unseat Bama, Clemson, or is is that not happening? Does it matter? Does does more of that depend on changing of the guard, i.e., Dabo and and St. Nick moving on? Um, probably, yeah, Nick, Nick is probably that, uh, chainsaw that, um, you can't beat until he retires. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like no one knows when dynasties fall. I mean, we thought that, and I know it's different because it's professional versus college dynamics, but when Kevin Durant went to Golden State, everybody assumed, okay, these guys are going to run titles for the next five years, and then they were done after three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to predict that stuff. Like, I, I mean, I would say that before, or for somebody to unseat Alabama, it's pretty much going to have to be Alabama unseating itself. Um, uh, fair. But, I mean, like, we, we've seen, you know, crazier things happen. And, and, and I do think that NIL is going to play a big part um, in sort of that changing of the landscape and, you know, adding more teams to the playoff field, I think is going to play a part in changing the landscape. So we'll see. But I, I mean, I think, you know, probably the favorite would be like, yeah, Nick has to retire for Alabama to, to take a step back. What's your take on alcohol, uh, beer and wine in the stadium? Uh, Iowa is expanding it beyond premium seating. In your time at Oklahoma, what was the policy down in Norman? Oh, I don't remember. Um, I was a law-abiding college student that did not drink until I was legally able to drink. 
so I wasn't paying attention to that stuff. Well, you were you were probably working by the time you were nineteen, anyway. I mean, seriously, you were covering games. So I'm just Uh-oh. I'm just wondering, like from a, it's been years since I've been to Norm, and I can't wait to go back this this fall. But my question to you, just f- from a fan atmosphere. You look at what Norman was like for you covering Oklahoma, and now you've covered Nebraska for a few years. And I think I think Memorial Stadium's atmosphere is great. The team just needs to be better. And yeah. is a component of that being able to have a cocktail in the near future? Is that is that of vital importance in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I I can't I don't remember if Oklahoma sells alcohol or not. Um, I think Iowa moving to sell uh, beer and wine in the stadium. From a from a financial standpoint, after going through all of the losses that, that everybody went through with COVID last year, I think it's a smart move. I think Nebraska would recoup a ton of money if it decided to start selling alcohol in Memorial Stadium. Um, from a financial standpoint, I think it would be a, a prudent move for them to make. I understand why they're not making it. Um, I think everybody understands why they're not making it right now. Um, but that being said, with the sporting events that we've seen in the last month since fans have returned, I, I would I would put a put some pour some cold water on that, um, and say that like we need to just collectively as a society start being nicer to people before we introduce alcohol into a competitive environment like that. I don't know if you watched the USA Mexico, Conca um, Cat Nations League. Oh, I did. Final, yeah, stuff was getting thrown. Um, nonstop, and players on the field were getting hit with full glasses of their own liquid. team. Um, yeah, yeah, and then you know everything that's happened at, at NBA arenas. I think I think part of that is yeah. just over the last like year and a half, we have we we're not treating people uh, very res- respectfully, just on the whole. Um, and so I'd be a little leery of introducing alcohol into a, a sporting event stadium when that is the case. Um, that being said, I think it is a smart financial move for universities to to allow alcohol sales in their stadiums, um, particularly after after you know what we've all been through in the last year. You know what? Just let's call our buddy Ron our test up and send him loose into the stands, <laughs> slap shot style, and uh, we'll, we'll shake that we loser. That. We'll shake that loser who's pouring popcorn on a player down. Be the first and last time he ever gets rid of his fourteen dollar popcorn on a player. Oh, yeah. Then then we just then we just take a step backwards. Then we, then we just take a step backwards. Yeah, this is Ron. Ron. Ron is here to punish you for spilling popcorn. Do you have any last words? <laughs> what we need is the people sitting next to you to be like, hey, dude, knock it off. That's well, what we need. Well, that's that's the point I was going to bring up, Derek, is Nebraska kind of prides itself on being the greatest fans in college football. So, I mean, I feel like there is some good peer pressure within the, 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 the stands of Memorial Stadium to be a good fan. So do you think if alcohol yeah. would be introduced, that, that alcohol is enough to put those Nebraska fans I think fans there's enough the self-policing within Memorial I'm not, Stadium. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying Nebraska has bad fans. I think Nebraska would be a really cool environment. It is a cool environment, and I don't think adding alcohol to the equation would change that. But as you've seen with fan incidents, particularly in the NBA over the last couple of or the last couple of weeks or month or whatever it's been, you know, one fan all it takes is one drunk idiot. That's all it takes, and then suddenly an entire fan base is painted poorly. Um, you know, it's, it's Boston is a, is a little different, but you know, like all it takes is one drunk idiot to do something dumb. 
and then an entire fan base is dragged through the mud. No, um, all it takes is one so, drunk fan in Arkansas to go follow Mojo Haggy's family into a bathroom. Yeah. Mm. Or it takes one hammered fan after the 37th fall start on a drive to, to lose their mind. So. Or the 15th holding penalty. Ah, <laughs> right. oh, look, another fumble. Oops, there's a punt return. Kickoff. Touchdown. <laughs> hey, hopefully, hey, hopefully those days are in the past. No, no kidding. Derek, before we let you get out of here, the question we've been asking everybody we've been asking this question is, if you were in charge here, what would you be putting on tap in Memorial Stadium should alcohol sales be approved? <laughs> um, local beer mm-hmm. to help the local economy would be one. Um, my beer of choice is Blue Moon, so that would actually be on tap. And then you have to have all of the crappy uh, regular stuff that average Joe's drink, Coors Light, Bud Light, all that crap stuff. Derek says all the common folk can have a Bud Heavy at the stadium. <laughs> Just make sure he's got his orange for his Blue Moon. <laughs> I love it. Hey, brother. Uh, we uh, got a got a scoot, but hey, thanks for checking in. Thanks for talking playoff with us, and uh, and also some beer. And, and I can't wait for the season to get rolling. And media days, then road trips, and it should be a good football season. And have yourself a weekend. All right. Of course. Thanks for having me. Take care, man. Appreciate it. There he is, Derek Peterson. Love catching up with him on Fridays. Doctor PDHV's where you follow him. On Twitter is going to have a, just an incredible feature with the Hale Varsity Yearbook. And Derek does a great job covering Nebraska football, Husker women's basketball, and in a pinch is there uh, all over baseball. So he's a busy guy. Uh, the Varsity Club, his podcast, Greg Smith sat in with him today. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You can, you can get all the Hail Bar City Podcasts, and uh, what a lineup you've got with Greg Smith, Derek Peterson, uh, Aaron Sorensen, of course, uh, Jacob Padilla, Damon Benning. Uh, their prep uh, podcast is great. And, uh, of course, Brandon Vogel, the I-80 podcast. Uh, heard that's where you go for those. Also, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes. Those are the platforms. Give us a rating. Give us a good, bad, or ugly report. We're happy to take all comers from the comment section uh, with Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, We'll wind down Hour 1, Bill Dolman, and uh, then Husker Assistant Coach Jeff Christie at Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, we are geared up. Another chat with Bill Dolman. And Jeff Christie, we will dive into Nebraska's incredible season for baseball. The pitching coach and, of course, uh, the man in charge of the catchers. What a run. Get his take on last weekend and uh, the future and, and, of course, the buildup here. A reminder about moving. Is it time to pull the trigger and sell that house? You may love it, but, wow, uh, the value right now is just something that you may not see again. Or are you looking Limited number of homes in the region. So West Blue Realty there for you. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln, 
and the surrounding community. Uh, two names to know, two names to trust. Tom Luby, Kelly Hofschneider, they can help sell or buy for you with West Blue Realty. Uh, Tom Luby's number, call him today at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, give Kelly a shout at 402-202-2312. WestBlueRealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So, I love Bill Murray. Love Bill Murray. Groundhog Day. What about Bob? Uh, Of course, uh, the Ghostbusters. (laughs) Uh, And many more. Of course, Saturday Night Live. Bill Murray's awesome. Bill Murray's the biggest Cub fan there is. I remember watching Bill sit with Harry, Gary, and uh, get things kicked off. Uh, Bill Murray celebrating, not the fact Danny Burke is in the bleachers tomorrow, but that's something to celebrate. But Bill Murray celebrating the fact that it is capacity at Wrigley. I got to get back to the north side at some point. This is what it feels like to be 100%. And we're going to be louder from right now until the last out in the top of the ninth inning. Understood? Let's scare the hell out of these Cardinals. Let's scare them. All right. Let's sing the song one more time. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the Cubby. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes. You're out at the old ball game. Sing it, Bill. Let's get some brewing. I want that hat he was wearing. That's a sweet lid. So the the Cubbies deemed this opening day 2.0. In, in pure Cub fashion, they fell behind 5-1. <laughs> only to get a, a bomb from Jock. He drove in three. Rizza. Rizzo and uh, Contreras went deep, and the Cubs win! Cubs win! 8-5, come back. Day game, Wrigley. There was lots of beautiful people in the crowd. All right, uh, we'll dive in. Bill Dolman will sound off. We will pick his brain on booze, Memorial Stadium, college football playoff, all that ahead. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. Great to be with you on Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. 
Bill Dolman with us, and Bill Dolman on Twitter. Coming up here in about 20 minutes, Nebraska assistant baseball coach Jeff Christie. Billy D., what's up? How are you? You know, I'm just uh, basking in another beautiful uh, Colorado day. Uh, I know, uh, from what I understand, it's like 90 degrees there and 90% humidity in Lincoln, which, um, as much as I love my home state, uh, I don't miss that at all. So it's, I hate, it's I hate cooled for off. people to feel bad. It's cooled off a bit. There was a, a, uh, a monster thunderstorm that rolled through. So it's not as bad as it's been, but it's going to crank up there this weekend. So you are a guy who has worked in administration. You know administration. You've also done the media side of things with coaches, shows, and high-level play-by-play. Bill Dolman gets to make the call here when it comes to Will Bolt extension and raise. What's the number? What's the number to keep... Other teams away from Will Bolt, but also show him the deserved reward uh, and also, you know, put some money down on futures, right? Because this isn't just going to be a nice story for one year. Will Bolt's expectation is to be back at it and better a year from now uh, in college baseball's postseason. He's at 300K now. What's a number you what's a number you come up with, Bill? Well, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I'm relieved, first of all, that Texas A&M was able to pry Jim Schlossnagel away from TCU. And I've been stunned since learning of Rob Childress's um, exit at A&M that Will Boltoning was never really at the, the top of the list or in the list, the main list of three or four mm-hmm. um, for the A&M job. It, it just seemed mystifying to me. I know Schlossnagel has been their target for a long time. Even before Rob Childress was in any kind of trouble, they coveted him, as did Texas. And I know Jim Schlossnagel. He's a great guy, and he will do wonders at Texas A&M. But I think that was a very difficult decision for him to leave what he's built at TCU. Maybe it's just time to go. And there, there are those times when people have to go. But I never saw Will Bolt's name in the the mix, I mean, they're talking about the guy from Tennessee. They're talking about the guy at Michigan. Mm-hmm. They're talking about uh, a couple of other people, and the names escape me. But I know Schloss was the number one. And I'm thinking, how is it not Will Bolt as their plan B, given the fact he's from Conroe, Texas, he coached there, he had success there, and what he's been able to put on display with Nebraska this season consistently from the start to the to the finish of the year, why would he not be coveted by A and M? Should Schloss say no? Now Childress is making eight hundred grand, right? Mm-hmm. And Schloss is going to get like one point two or one point three plus with that gig. So does Nebraska need to protect somebody who has become a very valuable asset and a hot commodity? Yes, but I'm also of the belief: look, Nebraska took a chance, if you will, on a proven assistant coach and said, okay, we're going to, we're going to give you the keys to a major Division I college baseball program with all of the resources, all right? So I, I think that there has to be some sense of, of loyalty in that regard. And I know Will Bolt has loyalty to Nebraska because he went there. Mm-hmm. He was a fan favorite as a player. Um, but at the same time, there has to be some sense of, 
you know what, they gave me my shot. I'm not going to go make them break the bank to keep me here. I don't think he's and, looking. Uh, right, he's I, I, looking. I get that. Yeah, I get yeah. that. But but when the, when the when the topic comes up, it's like, what's Nebraska going to do to keep Will Bolt? You know, I, I'm of the belief that, you know, look, Nebraska took a chance on him, and and gave him an opportunity, and he has and he has done well with that opportunity in let's a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I still go back to the Arizona State game early last year as an indicator that you know what this might work out pretty well, <laughs> but. I, I and I agree. I don't think he's going in there saying you better, you know, you better keep me. You better get, pay me the money if you want to keep me. But I think there has to be an understanding of look. This this is Nebraska. This is Nebraska baseball. We don't have an oil well tapped up behind the home plate like College Station does. We don't have natural gas reserves like TCU does, literally. Um, so I, I think that there has to be, you know, Nebraska has to say, you know what, we appreciate what you've done, and we're going to reward you for what you did. But I think there has to be a. a something at play on the other side that says thanks for the opportunity i'm gonna i'm gonna honor what i did so we're talking uh, a couple commitment. couple hundred grand now and maybe a couple hundred grand later <laughs> yeah you know, maybe that's the case maybe that's the case um but it's been a year and a half right mm-hmm. uh it, it, this isn't long-term success it certainly looks like it's set up that way i think we love the personality of nebraska baseball but you know <laughs> Maybe it's because I was around Coach Osborne for so long. I mean, here's a guy making you know about 150 grand his last year of coaching salary, and Rick Neuheisel was making a million too, right? Tom never once held Nebraska hostage for more money. Made money with his sponsorships, made money with his TV show. I get all that, but you know maybe it's just a deal where you honor your commitment. You say thanks for the opportunity you've given me, and when the time comes, let's talk about it. And I hope I'm rewarded handsomely. And I hope that, you know, to do the job that I've done for you. But this whole thing of agents getting involved and playing one side against the other and jobs that aren't there, I mean, that just, that just, it's so tiresome. But I get it. It's where we are in this culture. I hope Nebraska says, you did a great job. Thank you. Here's a couple extra hundred grand. <laughs> you know, we hope you stay. Um, but I think Nebraska is very fortunate that Jim Slosnagle said yes, because I, I got to believe A&M would have made a, a great hire if they were able to entice him to come back home, actually. Well, and look at LSU going and getting Casey. We just talked to Casey, you know, Pat Casey last week. You know, he's watching his boy play. Well, Oregon State gets eliminated. Coach Casey's now uh, the guy at LSU. So, you know, Will's name's going to come up. He's been uh, applauded, deservedly so, locally and nationally. And uh, it looks extremely promising for Nebraska baseball. Bill, I want to get into to alcohol, what Iowa's doing, and that's expanding uh, beer sales to the rest of the stadium, not just premium seating. Are you surprised Nebraska didn't visit the alcohol discussion when Devaney was 80? And that's not a smart aleck take. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, Devaney was uh, a, a guy that, that had a lot of success with hires and after he moved off the sideline, uh, things were good. Bill Byrne came in, and you look at the facilities upgrade, and we're, we're at where we're at right now, and Bill Moose trying to do the same thing with the football facility. But take me through your take on just how necessary alcohol and wine, beer and wine, are to the fan experience they're at most of the the bowl venues. They're at a lot of the. They're about all of the camp conference title venues. They're at the College World Series. Uh, it'd be real easy to do for football, baseball, basketball, softball. 
And, uh, you know, not anytime soon. It's kind of the feel we have with Nebraska as far as making that move. You know, I, I, I'm, maybe I go back to what I just said a little bit ago about just the way things used to be. That do we, do we really need it for fan enjoyment and for uh, the atmosphere? Um, I, I think Nebraska does pretty well without it. And let's, let's just be honest here. A lot of people walk into that stadium whether they kick off at 11 a.m. or 7 p.m., having already gone a little bit too far uh, than they should have. But I, I, just, I just don't think that it's ne- necessary for the fan enjoyment of Nebraska football, uh, really at, at any venue, um, but that's just me. Now, is it necessary? Will it eventually be perhaps necessary uh, when it comes to uh, dollars and cents? And keeping Will Bolt, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that's the case. I, I certainly hope that's not the case, but I, I think it, it's going to be inevitable that at some point it's going to be addressed, and Nebraska will probably join the rest of the world. That you know, yeah, we're going to have to we're going to do this. Uh, we got to pay for stuff. We got to pay for people. Um, but I just don't think that you know it has to be something that is pressing and top of the mind and you know again I, I hope it doesn't happen but i'm sure that it will and i probably have a boda bag somewhere in a box that uh was a veteran of many nebraska football <laughs> games from my days in lincoln i i like that bill just give will bolt the, the beer sales from memorial state and that's his contract just beer sales sign on the dotted <laughs> yeah. line no <laughs> <laughs> so, you know who knows maybe, maybe they'll uh, they'll uh, drive a, a Schmidt's beer truck uh, up to his place, and Why so that'll not? be part of his payment. Yeah. Well, uh, w- whether they get better, people will ask for more cocktails and celebration. If they keep committing eight penalties a game, they'll need it to get through. So uh, it could work out. Yeah, Bill. I was just wondering, with Nebraska's reputation as greatest fans in college football, do you think that that if alcohol sales were permitted in Memorial Stadium, that that we could see some of the things we're seeing around the country with fans throwing beer bottles and cans and whatnot onto the field and, and at players or are Nebraska fans above that even with alcohol in the stadium? No, I don't I would really be shocked if that would be tolerated by you might have some, you know, some dumbass that might do that. I mean back you know, thirty, forty years ago it was oranges in November, you know, when it was Nebraska, Oklahoma and that was the big thing. But um, I would bet that Nebraska fans would be pretty good at policing themselves before Somebody got too far out of control, and I'm sure you're not going to necessarily see a whole lot of uh, beer bottles at, at Memorial Stadium to begin with. But you're asking for trouble, and you're just going to be asking. And what you're going to need to do is is to police it in, you know, some really serious ways when it when it does happen. I, look, I know other places around the country do it, but you really got to outweigh the the good and the bad and the costs and. Um, the benefits, and eventually they'll come around and Nebraska will be like everybody else in that regard. Bill, let's talk college football playoff. Uh, are you excited for 12? Did you want eight? Were you a fan of four? Uh, and, and with Nebraska, I mean, does this help Nebraska? Maybe a, uh, a nine-win Nebraska is part of the playoff discussion. I think you really got to be careful. I, think, I was stunned when I saw 12. That makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I, I think eight is probably the number, and year in and year out, you're not going to find more than a couple of teams anyway that that can you know win a national championship. And you go beyond eight, and you're really going to you know diminish the pool of teams that are going to be quality teams that get in there. And then you know uh, you've got and nobody that's going to play three games 
is going to win the national title. That's just not going to happen. You know, you're going to get that buy, and you're going to set it up, and those best teams are going to be the ones that are going to advance every year. And you might have that anomaly where, you know, somebody does sneak in. But for the most part, I think eight is what it should be. You're, you're talking about what do you do with Notre Dame? I mean, Notre Dame doesn't, wouldn't even qualify for the the buy because you have to have a, you have to have a conference championship, right? Mm-hmm. And and dividing the pool, and uh, I I just really think that once you get past eight teams. You really lose legitimacy as to who has a chance to win a national championship. Then you're really setting it up for those 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 teams to get the bye to play a team that's been beaten up for a week, might be a little bit tired. And you know, so are they going to cruise to a victory? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But it's certainly going to be a lot easier for those bye teams to play somebody a week after you know somebody got into the playoff. And then I think you, you dilute you know the, the end of the regular season if you if you got no chance of winning a conference title and you're not going to get to buy, but you're probably going to be in that final 12. Do you, do you peel back, you know, a little bit in that final week or so of the season to where you don't get your, you know, eight, let's just say it's Nebraska. Uh, do you not play Adrian Martinez in that final game of the regular season? Because you know, you're going to be in the playoff, you know? So do you, do you start to, you see it right now in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in those those very deep conferences like the ACC. And how many years has you know team have teams kind of tanked it in the conference tournament? You know, won a game and then really not played all that hard. You know, the second round, then they get beat, and then you've got what was it Syracuse that one year won four or five games in a row and gets the automatic bid because you know Duke kind of cashed it in or something. Uh, I think you're diminishing the end of the regular season, and I'm not sure you're going to get the best quality of football in November that you think you're going to get. But twelve to eight makes sense. Twelve just doesn't to me. Well, I think what's going to happen here: we got about a minute. You've got more teams, which means more money, which means more TV sets, which means uh, you're going to be able to, to to have multiple teams from the SEC and Big Ten. And hey, a Pac-12 team's now going to get invited. I mean, so uh, it's going to be a, a, a broader swath of, of folks that will technically see football. I agree with you that twelves too many let me throw this in there too now you're going to lose some bowl games which you know for for better for worse i I, you know might be a good thing because there's some pretty bad teams playing bowl games with nobody in the stands but if you have a team let's go back remember when uconn had its one good season when randy edsel was there the first time around and they went to the fiesta bowl Mm -hmm. okay they had to pay they paid more money in expenses (laughs) <laughs> to go play in that game than they got out of their share. I'm, I'm not kidding. They spent like over $2 million to send their band, their cheerleaders, the boosters. They had to buy tickets. They had to buy their hotels and all that. Okay, let's say that you're one of those teams that's not Alabama or Clemson or Nebraska who has the money, and, and you get in and you're going to play in that first round and that second round. Are you going to be liable to pay for expenses for your program to go, to pay for fan, you know for, for boosters, for – Bands for cheerleaders for hotels. Are you going to pay guarantees out of your pocket? I mean, literally, UConn paid more money to play in the Fiesta Bowl than they made. So now, if you're in a playoff team, are they going to say, "All right, Houston," or "All right, um, Cincinnati"? It's going to cost you a couple of million bucks a week to go play. Now you're still going to get a share of the playoff, but are you really going to get that much? I mean, I don't. I've not seen that that talked about, but. It has been an issue with bowl teams that you get a chance to go play, and some of those bowls will charge you, and you're liable, you know, to for your tickets, for hotels, and all that kind of stuff. 
Bill Dolman's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Food for thought on that. Billy D will run you down next Friday. Thanks for a few minutes today. Always good to talk to you, and uh, go Big Red. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Husker baseball, an incredible season, and uh, excited to get caught up with a friend of the show, uh, Lincoln Southeast to Nebraska, and uh, back as uh, an assistant uh, for Coach Bolt, pitching and catchers, and what a job that staff did. Jeff Christie back with us. Coach, uh, congratulations on the success on the season. Thanks for taking a few minutes today. How are you doing? Uh, I appreciate it. I'm doing well. That was that was a fun run with those guys, and um, you know it's you know looking forward to the future as well. And you know, just hopefully people are excited about the brand of baseball we played this year. No, oh, I, I well, J- Coach Jeff Christie with us, Coach. You had to, you guys had to feel the buzz, didn't you? You had to feel the excitement uh, with what the baseball team did this year, didn't you? I mean, it, it had to hit, didn't it? Yeah, we did, and it was you know one of those crazy years where. You know, sometimes you weren't able to even have any fans in the stands besides your family and friends, and, you know, finally they opened up. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, just feeling the buzz from the – just being around town and, you know, the neighborhoods and, you know, just the 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 people just, you know, talking about it was the coolest thing. And that's what we wanted. And, you know, I think that had a lot to do with how we played. And obviously winning takes care of a lot of that. But um, more than anything, we just – wanted to come in and kind of create the, the culture of how we wanted to play. And uh, you kind of saw what that looks like when, when all guys are pulling on the same end. Jeff Christie's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, let's kind of go back to, I think last time we talked, you you were just kind of getting added to the staff. And now let's fast forward. What were you guys able to, to do? And, and the, just the mindset of this coaching staff is, is brilliant. And the kids have bought into it but how are you able to navigate not even a half of a season last year before the shutdown and then kind of examine things and then kind of go full bore into into this season take me through that process yeah you know the 2020 season was not exactly you know what everybody you know you what you want um you know just from being shut down you know guys getting 15 games in and not knowing what's going to be in the future for people, what's going to be in the future for really anything at that point in time. So it was kind of a nerve wracking time, but what we did as a staff is we just kind of sat down and um, looked at our roster, looked at the things we needed to do. And from a recruiting standpoint and kind of fill some gaps very quickly. And, um, you know, we took, we took advantage of the time to, examine the roster and still recruit even though we weren't be able to go out we still had some guys that we we knew about and had seen in the past and um you know we just kind of felt like we needed to add the right pieces and it, and it worked out this year so that was the biggest thing and then getting the guys on campus and getting the right guys to to come in and 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 play the brand of baseball we want was was very key and i have a lot to, that has a lot to do with those upperclassmen and how um they took on the new coaching staff and just really believed in what we were doing and, and really just kind of guided everybody from from the beginning. And, 
got everybody on the same page and you know so a lot of credit goes to those guys um and the the senior group and those team captains that really took on the the persona of what we're trying to do Oscar assistant with us Jeff Christie with us on Hale Varsity Radio so why do you think the the connection happened or why was it able to be such a a good match you mentioned that upperclassman that senior group uh, you know, it, it's a new staff, but maybe not super unfamiliar with, with Will and with yourself, obviously being around the program. But a lot of times that doesn't happen, not just in baseball, but other sports where there's a disconnect or it takes a little longer to connect with new coaches uh, and, and, a, and a locker room. Yeah, I think it was just those guys were, everybody here was very accepting of, you know, what we were trying to do and then the message we brought and, um, you know, just kids as competitors too and then wanting to win. And um, that's just kind of, it, it can be tough at times there, but just the exception, accepting us and just kind of, you know, jumping all into what we were trying to do is, was the biggest thing. And there wasn't anybody just kind of hanging on the side, just wondering what, what we were doing or what was, what was happening. It was just more of a mindset of our guys. And like I said, those upperclassmen got mm-hmm. to the point where when they, when they were jumping into the deep end with us, everybody else followed. So I think that was the biggest key is to get those guys on, on the same page there. And, and it didn't take long um, really. I mean, it's just, it was a matter of getting to know the guys and showing that we, you know, well, what our plan was and what we wanted to do, and that was that was kind of what happened. So it was it was a big step for those guys to do that, and like I said, everybody else just kind of followed in line. Jeff Christie's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. There's a difference between getting hot and being good, and if you're good, you can get hot. If you're okay and you get hot, you may swing swing uh, over you know for the fences and, and connect. You guys were good. When did you know you were really good? Um, so we got, we had a full fall in some schools, maybe weren't able to get that in. You know, we still had our six weeks of, of normal fall practice and it was just a little bit different, but toward the end of the fall where you started to see things start to come together from the scrimmage standpoint and, uh, what we had maybe on the mound and offensively what we were trying to do. Uh, so I would say toward the end of the fall when that was getting done, I was like, yeah, we looked at each other's staff. I was like, I think we had a shot to be pretty good. And um, I think what you, what our guys felt too, was the same thing. They, they knew it from each other. So that goes a long way too. When you're, when your team knows you're good and has, has belief in themselves and that was what they did. And um, it just kind of started, started right away in that first week. And even though we lost that first game of the year, um, our guys, what we preached all year is just show up when you, you know, when you have that, that ability to show up every day with, with quality talent and um, that, that mindset that we're going to show up every day, you kind of see how our guys fought back every day and never thought they were out of any game. When it comes to, to toughness, a lot of compliments have been handed out. Uh, Dave Van Horn spent a lot of time after the series talking about just how you guys were better than tougher than everybody else, and, and he was pretty wild. Not surprised necessarily, but just – just giving you credit talk to that mental toughness I know you have it I know Will Bold has it I know your staff has it your kids obviously have it but instilling that mental toughness is it is it something you see in a kid is is early on in the recruiting process or is it something that gets gets adapted once they get to Husker baseball 
Yeah, I think that's something that you definitely look at on the recruiting process um, on that side of it. You know, just how they how they respond to things, how they deal with adversity in a game. It's, it's great to go watch kids play and have success, but we also want to see kids fail and how they how they respond to that. But you know, the truth of it is, is a lot of times you guys don't fail a ton at the level of of, of high school when they're a, when they're a great player there, and that obviously gets their foot in the door. So. You know, the fall, especially early for kids, can be the, one of those times where, you know, the adversity might hit a little bit harder than they've ever experienced it before. And that's the fall for us is a big time to, you know, set that standard to of, of how you're going to rebound. And, and I told you there before a little bit about the message of just showing up. That's all we're ever going to ask from guys is to make sure that they show up every day. And if they can keep putting their best foot forward and with the best competitive mindset and best competitive edge for themselves it's going to usually take care of itself so even with you're in a slump if your head doing great all we ask of those guys is to show up with their best competitive mindset and um no matter what's happened i think that's that's uh that was a big benefit for our guys this year because they actually did it and they believed it and you know no matter it was going great whether it was going bad you know guys just kept showing up and when you do that consistently you stay even keel and you stay level-headed and it, you're not riding those roller coasters of emotions and it's able to so it allows you to be able to play a lot better consistently that's human nature to to bounce on that roller coaster yep. it just is but to, to be even keels the key and and i think your kids were so fantastic at a jeff christie's with us hail varsity radio uh, what what did you take away when we look at your pitching and uh defense and even behind the plate you had to be proud but still wanting more obviously against Arkansas but what was the takeaway from the regional this year yeah I mean obviously as the competitor inside you and anybody you want to you want to win a national championship and that was and that's always going to be our goal and um, to come up short there was a little bit disappointing you know we felt like we had some opportunities just didn't happen for us there at the end Um, but I, I was very proud of the way our guys competed how they showed up uh didn't didn't take the moment and make it bigger than what it was uh you know, we came into a environment there that was a lot different than what we've been experiencing all year, except maybe at home. But when you're at home, <laughs> the fans are for you <laughs> and not against you, I guess. So, uh, you know, we took the, the, the guys took on the mindset of, you know, the don't care mindset that whole year. And it just kind of really translated into the regional as well. But from, from a defensive standpoint, we played excellent defense for the majority of the year, I think. You know, pitching standpoint, our, our biggest goal was to, you know, lead the lead the country, the conference in the least amount of walks, and we accomplished that. And moving into the regional, and when you do that, when you have a defense and you throw the ball over a plate, um, usually good things happen. Um, and and that was kind of the biggest biggest thing that we were focusing on. It wasn't too big. It wasn't too you know, there. Just the, that singular focus of let's pound the strike zone, let's let our defense play, and we we did a pretty good job of that. And you know, behind the plate, we had guys that. Really, really stepped in with 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 Griffin and 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 Luke back there. You know, Luke and, and Roach played a big part with each other, um, just getting on the same page with a lot of things. And and Griffin really took the next step of connecting with the staff and really kind of leading that staff and being that that guy back there that they just trust to throw the ball to. And, and that's huge for pitchers as well when they know they can throw anywhere they want to and they're going to keep the ball in front and get strike calls for them. When when you're scouting Arkansas and telling your guys all right here is the the report they're able to do a lot of things with power they're really good with two outs and two strikes i mean they're the number one team how exciting and and or difficult was that scouting report that that 
that mission you had to, to give your guys the best info because I thought your guys threw really well. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for us was to to stay the same and, and do what we've done all year um, and, and don't make it bigger than it is. And, and we, we did that for the most part. Um, but with guys that have a lot of power, the emphasis, and we've done it all year, is, is when guys can – you know, hit the ball out of the yard. You have to be able to get inside and trust your fastball in. So the biggest thing there was to establish the fastball inside. A lot of times, especially those right-handed hitters that they had. And I think you saw that more often than not, and then try to expand away. You just don't want to get those guys extended to get the ball in the air. So it's kind of one of those things where you flirting with it a little bit. If you leave it over the middle plate, they can do some damage, but you have to be sold out on making sure that those, those pitches inside are, where you need them to be and you can't be scared to go in there so that was one of the messages we had and then to be able to to uh call cross count to be able to throw your off speed stuff in fastball counts and for the most part we were we were able to do that and um you know i just thought our mindset from our guys was was, was great that nobody backed down and um that's the reason why they were able to execute some of the pitches that they did and now and now back to hail varsity radio Jeff Christie with us, Hale Varsity Radio, assistant for Nebraska, pitching coach in charge of catchers. Wonderful uh, season by the Big Red. Uh, Jeff, couple of minutes here, coach, on on some of your guys on the Hill. Uh, what can you say about uh, about Schwelly, Spencer Schwellenbach? I, I know what his prospects are, but just how how dynamite he's been for you, and just to see a guy that can be that versatile. I mean. <laughs> For what he did for us, I mean, you're not going to see too many guys across the country that do that. And, you know, not pitching in, what, a, two and a half years and, and picking up the ball this fall and getting, I think, he only got four innings on the fall. Just wanted to see how it was. And we hadn't seen a ton of it. And he picks up the baseball and gets on the mound to go in our first scrimmage. And, you know, he was up to 97 with three pitches in one inning. And it was like, <laughs> okay, this is real right now. He's, he's, he's good. He's good to go. And, um, <laughs> when you handed the ball over to him, everybody on our dugout was like, they knew the game was over. And that's a great feeling to have. So uh, the confidence of the team, confidence of, of himself, of just taking the baseball and, and making sure that game was over. And you saw him extend it toward the end. So I think the future is very bright for him in whatever direction he goes. But just speaking from the pitching side, that's what we're talking about there is I think the sky's the limit for him. And um, I would expect him to do very well, you know, at the next level on the mound. You uh, also have a guy like uh, Cade Povich that that really uh, did incredible work for you. You're also going to lose some guys due to eligibility. There's still some things up in the air just from a from a return or let's see where the draft goes. But uh, overall, how pleased were you with your pitching staff? And uh, I, I also kind of get a sense you're a perfectionist. So where do you want to see see improvement? from that staff between uh, who may be back and, and where things go with uh, with Nebraska's pitching? Yeah, um, you, you, you talked about Povich there. Like, what, the one thing he did for us was was set the tone pretty much every weekend on how we were going to kind of attack the strike zone and different pitches. And what he did well was control the running game. And so he shut the running game down for a lot of teams. And what you saw is I think we only had 29 stolen bases against us this year, which was pretty low. But I think that's a lot to do with with Povich picking some guys off and then Griffin and, and Luke throwing some guys out early on in those series and nobody really tried it as much anymore at the end. So um, that was a very important, but 
You know, the biggest thing for me is making sure guys get into the proper roles that we feel like would best benefit them. Um, you know, we started Buns early on in the year and got him to the bullpen um, a little bit after those four-game weekends were, were done. And um, I think his persona kind of really fit for him in the bullpen there, um, <laughs> <laughs> which you've seen that a little bit there with a little bit of the amped-up stuff. But that's who he was. And, um, you know, let it play, and you know, that gets him through some of that stuff. But, you know, there's going to be a lot, a lot of things that we have to probably replace at the end of the year. But I want to see guys take that next step of – challenging for starting rotation spots on the weekend and and then just the biggest thing is you know finding those gaps to get to the end of the ball game so um you know like i said our, our goal first and foremost has always been to lead lead the con- conference in the least amount of walks we did that and i would for me personally i would like to continue that trend um and uh and see where it goes from there but you know i, I was pleased i was very pleased with how we competed how we went about our business majority of the time and um, you know, it kind of showed with us being able to get on the mound and compete. Jeff Christie, Husker assistant with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Remarkable season for Nebraska baseball. Last thought, Coach, uh, I know it's been a busy time in recruiting. Uh, in-state talent's uh, always been fantastic. I think back to, to covering the, the last CWS team with uh, the Staples, you were a part of it, obviously a Lincoln kid with Alex. Uh, of course, Jabba, Johnny Dorn. I mean, there, there's a number of in-state mm-hmm. kids that have made their impact uh, with Husker baseball. But speak to to just the, the the state talent that you're able to observe without obviously getting specific, but just you know the, the talent here in state and also around the region where you guys have done a really nice job of focusing when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, I mean, when we first got the jobs here, you know, we looked at the talent across the state and. You know, it was probably as high as it's ever been in that 21 class, and um, that was made one of our priorities to do that. And it's still going to be a priority for us in the state. And, um, the, the reason is for, you know, guys are developing quicker. Um, you know, they're still able to play multiple sports, but there's a lot, there's a lot of good coaches out there in high school and, um, and over the summer. So that's, that's gotten to the point where it's really good. And, you know, you're seeing guys – just develop a little bit quicker, even at the high school level. So it's always going to be a priority for us. And once we feel like we've got um, the guys that we want out of the state, we'll still go around the regions and we've got connections in Texas. Still, we got guys coming in from Canada with some of those connections as well. Um, So that's kind of our, that's kind of our goal. We'll start inward and we'll start working outward, but um, it always has to start here in the state. Coach Jeff Christie, coach, good to spend time with you again. Congratulations on what you and the, the crew did, and we'll look forward to, to, to many more fun seasons. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. You have a good one. Jeff Christie with us, Hale Varsity Radio, extended sit-down with him. Good chat, good perspective, uh, really loves what he had on the mound and uh, where this team's at and got into specifics with how they wanted to attack Arkansas, and they're about 45 minutes into their Super Regional, but really good uh, just kind of re, uh, rehash of the season from what was cut short to how they went in and implemented uh, their plan. And then, of course, you got the buy-in. Uh, that interview going to be posted ESPN Lincoln, the on-demand section also on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter feed. Elijah will get that up. So let's switch gears real quick, a little NFL. Uh, Russell Wilson uh, in front of the media today. He's good. He's good with Pete Carroll. He's good with uh, Seahawks management. 
Is he good with the locker room? Is he good with his teammates? Is he good with his offensive line? After voicing some frustration, here's Russ earlier today. There was a whole thing saying that I requested a trade, and that's just not true. You know, I didn't request a trade, you know. So I think everything kind of started from there. Uh, and then, obviously, tons of teams were calling. And I think that the reality was is that I didn't really want to go anywhere else. I wanted to play in Seattle. But if I had to go somewhere, these are the teams I would go to consider. At the end of the day, I have no trade clause, right? So I think, you know, um, I think for me, though, you know, I, I had a, a great conversation with Coach Carroll. You know, um, had a good, really great conversation with John too. Um, you know, and Coach Carroll and I spent a lot of time together, one on one. And uh, you know, we're on the same page. You know, we're we're here to do what we're what we're meant to do, and that's to win it all. So listen, I think he's got every right to be frustrated as many times as as he got harassed. Now, there's a two way street to me with Russell Wilson. Uh, it's it's the double edged sword of. He is going to extend the play and make a monster play. He'll find Metcalf. He'll pick up 17 on a third and nine with a scramble. He's been really pretty durable. And he was your MVP until it got personal. And I think he tried to do too much. And I go back to the Arizona game where he had three, he had a 350-yard passing day and he had three touchdowns, but he also threw three picks. He got careless with the football for a stretch there and Seattle fell off. Now, he's a guy who's not always had the ideal offensive line or offensive weapons, but uh, he, he's had more options of late, in my opinion. So He has freaking DK Metcalf. No, I know. And that's, <laughs> and that's a draft pick that they got on top of Lockett, and, and they've had some good-sized tight ends there. It wasn't that long ago they had Beast Mode doing, during their glory years. But they've drafted okay at running back. He needs to go kiss some butt, take some names, and, and just kind of prove it all over again to his teammates. We'll wind down a Friday next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Let's just solve the uh, NFC's problems with this Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson thing. Just swap them. Send Rodgers to Seattle. Send Russell to Green Bay. We got to figure out a way to work in Denver into a three-team trade here, Chris. Like, come on, man. <laughs> you know where my allegiances lie. I know, and you're still bent out of shape about your abs, aren't you? Don't even get me started. I was going to bring up the Golden Knights because Dolman used to do pre and intermission hosting for 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 the Golden Knights. But let's just let's just swap that out. They're you know you got a few more years on. Aaron Rodgers, but about the same mileage. Pete Carroll lost, I think, his only home game at USC to Aaron Rodgers and Cal on my anniversary. Someone was late for for family pictures because I was watching that overtime (laughs) beauty on the deck. Can't be mad at you. (laughs) Look, Leonard's about to go down here (laughs) watching Aaron Rodgers and Cal. Hang on a minute. It's overtime, Mom. It's overtime, Bunny. Hang on. Well, the Camera person will be there, right? Deck isn't going anywhere. Anywho, uh, so let's make that happen. Just do it. Plus, you got Russell and the uh, 
the insurance thing. What's funny, though, is the endorsement side. Like, because Russ was a State Farm guy, right? Was he? I think, yeah, that sounds right. And and, and Aaron's the, uh, no, or is it Rogers, the discount double check guy? Rogers discount double check. What? So is, is that State Farm or American Family? State Farm. Okay. State Farm. So send him, I know like the competing company that's based out of, Wisconsin's one of the home, like site states of, of one of the insurance places. And they signed Russell, who's a Wisconsin guy, to kind of throw it in the face of the rival insurance agency. So I'm saying all things can work out with this. Your plans this weekend? Got anything going? I've got baseball early manana. I have this show early manana. Mm-hmm. As uh, we're going to be talking with Mitch Sherman and Gary Sharp tomorrow. Yep. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to go home, eat some breakfast, and then it's out to the ball fields all day. I got four games to umpire, so I'm going, uh, I think, 11:30 through like 9 p.m. tomorrow umpiring. Yeah, we have uh, we have we have three games tomorrow. Uh, first one's at nine. Be there by eight. Up in Omaha, then at 11 o'clock, and then at some point a TBA third game. Mm. So, on the bright side, it's not supposed to be like brutally hot tomorrow. I think it's supposed to be mid to high 80s, which is got a little bit of a cool down. That's yeah. good. I'm, I'll just got, I just got to pack the sunscreen. Like, so I'm are you? Bad. Yeah, sunscreen's overrated. Um, <laughs> are, are you? Uh, are, are you uh, grilling this weekend? Anything uh, going to get fired up over at Dad's? Now, I, I did grill myself up a steak last night. I, I did enjoy that one. What'd you go with? Uh, so I, I think I told you a little bit. I, I ordered some uh, some Wagyu beef from a Nebraska cattle rancher. Ooh. So I had so you a, got Wagyu. Uh, so I had a, uh, a ribeye from their So it's a $7,000 ribeye. No, it, it was like 20 bucks. Like That's little, it? It was really reasonably priced. They had like a little online deal. I've been telling all my friends to go there for uh, for Father's Day gifts. Um, I guess it's it's no free endorsements on this show. No, so I, absolutely. I, I won't mention not. the name of the company, but well, we'll we'll have to fire up the old steak and a beer. We'll have to we'll have to revisit that if you're buying twenty dollars steaks. I mean, they had like a it was like a bundle with like ground beef and sure. a couple of steaks for like right. seventy five bucks. I All was right. like, okay. Yeah, I did a I did a fillet Sunday, last Sunday. I'm gonna get another fillet for this Sunday. All right, enjoy. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Jeff Christie. Good stuff with Derek Peterson. Money thanks to uh, Bill Dolman. Minata, weekend edition at 7 a.m. Thanks.